Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast coming live, not live, really not, I need to come up with a better bit than coming to you live, but coming coming to you from from, from now fallen, apparently on fire, destroyed Chicago, I... So 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 say, so say the many oracles, soothsayers, and cops who live in this city who are now absolutely convinced that the city is uh, going to descend into crime and chaos, etc., etc., after the cop candidate got absolutely blown the fuck out in the last elections. And yeah, with me to talk about this election and a couple of other elections that happened on the same day that were very funny and where the worst people in the world got absolutely destroyed – is Ali, who is one of my friends and is an election analyst. Uh, yeah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Mia. Nice to be nice to be here. Yeah, I'm 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 very excited. Yeah, because this is just very funny. It's extremely funny. I personally was really enjoying getting to read the Twitter tea leaves. You could tell kind of which aldermen were having meltdowns on election night. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I guess we can start with with the stuff that happened in Chicago, which is that Paul Vallis, the 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 butcher of the public education system, uh, running dog of the cops, uh, the hero of J six people, I uh, was just kind of thwacked in an election by Brandon Johnson, the sort of progressive candidate who I'm very excited. I no longer have to pretend that I like particularly much. Um. <laughs> uh yes no as as mia says uh paul vallis um resident dino from palos heights a southwest suburb of chicago who conveniently bought an apartment in chicago exactly a year before the election which is how long you have to live in chicago to be the mayor um 
<clears throat> lost the runoff to Brandon Johnson, a black progressive who was on the Cook County board. Um, about uh, when all the results are done coming in in a couple of weeks, it'll be about 52% for Johnson and 48% for Vallis. As Mia says, this lets a lot of people on the left no longer have to uh, keep up the charade of, oh, Johnson's the best thing that has happened to us in sliced bread. Thank for Christ. <laughs> if you are like more of a uh, like Democratic Party loyal progressive voter, this is a very, very good thing in your eyes. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think there's something very interesting and kind of fitting about this, which is that, yeah, one of the things we've talked about is that, yeah, like, Brennan Johnson is the first, like, progressive TM mayor Chicago's had since, like, I mean, literally since Harold Washington, who was yes. the first black mayor in the 80s. And it's very interesting also because a bunch of the reforms that Harold Washington did were specifically overturned by Paul Vallis. Yeah. Like, he's the guy who did a bunch of educational reforms that fucking sucked, that destroyed uh, Washington stuff. It's. No, it's it's really wild how like um, Chicago politics is analogous to to go really out there for a second uh, is analogous to the state of Hawaii in the sense that people never die. Um, <laughs> yeah. The same people are going to be on your ballot for 50 years and you just kind of have to suck it up and deal with it. But every so often someone good comes along. Um, or at least someone better. And if you get them into office the first time, and if you get them to survive their first re-election campaign, then they get to be one of the people who's on the ballot forever and who never dies. And slowly but surely, you can make Chicago politics less shitty. But yeah, as Mia said, this is going to be the first progressive Chicago mayoral administration uh, since Harold Washington. Um, and Johnson won the same way as Harold Washington did. Yep. On, yeah, the backbone of Johnson's coalition, just as with Harold Washington's, was black voters. Johnson got about 80% of the black vote because in Chicago, elections are usually more about race than anything else. Um, but in addition to the black vote, Johnson won with progressives in white and non-black uh, communities of color. Uh, as well as LGBTQ voters and finally fulfilling the dreams of the here's how Bernie can still win people from 2015, <laughs> yeah. um, a actual uh, turnout surge of millennial and Gen Z voters. Uh, the Chicago Board of Elections is um, I don't think that anyone would call them great, but they do produce some nice live statistics on election day as the votes are tallied and voters under 45 uh, had a turnout surge of I think it was about 20% whereas voters older than 60 the raw number of their votes actually went down um, and this likely does almost entirely account for Johnson's margin of victory that he was able to turn out young voters and that old people just like stayed home yeah, and I, I think it's also, you know, we talked about this in the, the episode we did about Paul Fallis, but one of the things about the initial election was that, like, the fact that Johnson made it out of the primaries at all with a, a genuinely nightmarish, like, age, uh, like, bracket of turnout in the first round is sort of a miracle, but... 
you know, it got it got a lot better for him in in this one, and that genuinely seems to have like I I don't know like I I I know a lot of people who spent a lot of time like canvassing their asses off, and it actually seems to have worked. And I don't know. I mean, you know, it remains to be seen to the extent to which this was about like the fact that Vallis is like probably would have been the worst mayor of Chicago in like. It's we like don't have a, to go. We don't have to go back that far. Daly was mayor of Chicago as recently as 2011. <laughs> That's true, but I, I don't know. D- 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 Daly, yeah. I mean, it's not like Chicago has good mayors, but I, I think he would have been okay. Here's, a, I think he would have been the most politically far right mayor Chicago has had in a long time. Oh yeah, like he's just a Republican, like like yes. a pretty like yeah, and you know that fucking sucks. But he got. <laughs> clobbered there's also there's a, a really funny result i want to talk about which is that okay so the the part of chicago the neighborhood of in chicago where the cubs stadium is is right next to boys town which is the fucking gay district and if if you, if you go in and look at like well i say i say it's the gay district like a lot a lot of it's 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 it's, it's now the rich gay part of chicago because everyone's no, got priced out well, it no, kind of is. No, it's not. Market Park is the rich gay part of Chicago. That's true. That's uh, true. It, okay, it, it, it's it's more of a rich gay part of Chicago than it was like forty years ago, like thirty yes. years ago. Yeah, but like it, it, like literally, exactly split. You can like you can like see in the data exactly split down the line. The gays voted for Brandon Johnson, and all the people and all the Cubs fans voted for Vallis. It's so funny. It is. It is extremely funny. And I will give a quick shout out here to the Chicago urbanist Twitter account who made what I personally think is the funniest meme to have come out of the election, (laughs) um, which is a bunch of like uh, stick figures and just like black and white labeled Vallis voters running from a like steamroller a pink steamroller with a rainbow like wheel uh being driven by a bunch of gay people and the steamroller is labeled boys town it's really good like they <laughs> i don't know like like there 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 is this sort of a like th- this is sort of like the th- this is the coalition that well, I mean, again, we talked about this. Like, this is this is the Harold Washington Coalition. Like, this is the coalition that if you if you're an elect electoralist, like, you need to produce something that looks like this if you want to have any serious chance of winning. <clears throat> and yes, yeah, and the fact that it actually worked is sort of oh, it's a goddamn miracle. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's, this shit never works. People have been trying to do this for like forty fucking years, and it, it I, never works. I mean, but, people have been trying to do this for forty plus years, but it's also like this is really the first election that I can think of anywhere um, since uh, Barack Obama's re-election in twenty twelve, where like this is the coalition that actually put someone in like an office that got a lot of national attention and that mattered. Um, that's not to say that it like literally hasn't happened anywhere else. I'm just saying I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, but like in 2012, Barack Obama became the first person to be elected president of the United States with less than uh, 40% of the white vote, uh, a feat that has never 
since been repeated. Um, Clinton got less than that and lost. Trump obviously won and Biden won because white voters swung left in 2020. So like this is a turnout and coalitional puzzle that most people fail to put together and that Brandon Johnson miraculously pulled off. Yeah, and I I think on the one hand, okay, this is legitimately kind of because the result is not the thing that normally happens, it is legitimately an interesting question as to why this happened and like a like a, a sort of like legitimately kind of difficult like political science question. On the other hand, most of the people attempting to answer it have just oh my fucking god. Like if I if I if I have to read another New York Times article writing about this that's like a, like just clearly cobbled together from three Wikipedia articles, like I'm going to literally go insane. I think you, me, and every other person in Chicago, um, you know, no matter if you were a Johnson voter or a Vallis voter or someone who stayed home, we can all come together in our hatred of that 538 piece that was dropped oh on the morning of Election God. Day. Um, I, if you don't know what I'm talking about... <sighs> You are lucky, and I'm not going to tell you. Um, yeah, if you really I mean, want to, I will, I will. I will give you a very brief summary of it, which is that five thirty eight. No, 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 we don't. Have, they, no. they, they did. They did. They did a racism. <laughs> they did a racism. Did a, that, that's that's they, what I'll leave yeah. it at. They they, the, they did a racism, and they were very wrong. <laughs> the they they basically did the four races: white, black, Latino, and leftist. Yeah, which is very funny. <laughs> but, um, but hopefully, um, I hope I'll take a stab at ex- explaining what happened, and hopefully, it's better than yeah. most people's explanation. But um, I think part of it is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, historically, Chicago elections have been about race, and like this was no um, exception. This was much more of an ideological uh, break. Like the ideological lines were a lot clearer in this election than previous mayoral races. Um, But the foundation of Brandon Johnson's electoral victory was the 80 percent of the vote that he got in black majority neighborhoods. Um, Black voters in Chicago selected the black candidate because they looked at the white guy and said, oh, we think you're going to be a massive dipshit. Um, And beyond that, you have a couple of other things working in Johnson's favor. So like one, um, when it comes to the youth vote, I cannot really believe I'm saying this because I, when this was announced, it's not that I thought it wouldn't help. It's just that I wasn't sure that it would help enough, but, uh, Johnson got a lot of national progressive figures to endorse him, including Bernie Sanders and his campaign literally flew Bernie in for a rally uh, on a college campus here in Chicago. And I think that genuinely did actually get a lot of young people to realize that there was an election that they should pay attention to. Which is wild um, because like, like, like this happened, like people fly in Bernie a lot and it never mm-hmm. matters, but it like it mattered here, which mm-hmm. is sort of amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like just a, a lot of this election was wild. Um, I think the other thing that really helped Johnson was that um, a like Chicago is a lot less white than it used to be, which is not something that usually gets said in this day and age because Chicago is becoming whiter um, than it was like 10, 15 years ago. But Chicago was a lot less white than it was in the 80s when Harold Washington was elected. And so like there was more of a ceiling on Paul Vallis's vote than um, Harold Washington's opponents had, um, which meant that Vallis had to be able to appeal to uh, not just 
white voters who reflexively were against any black candidate, but he also had to make inroads in Hispanic, Asian, as well as black communities and trying to get the black conservative vote. Um, and he didn't, Vallis didn't do a terrible job here, um, but he just didn't do a job that was good enough. He actually probably won the Latino vote. Um, it would, it wasn't like a huge win, but it was a win. Um, but the problem is that turnout in on the southwest side of Chicago, which is where the majority of Chicago's Mexican-American residents live, was just super low, um, just like really, really atrociously in the tank, uh, like to the extent that like this is the kind of turnout that inspires the online jokes about how no one ever bothers to vote level bad turnouts on the southwest side. Um so if Hispanic turnout had been on the same level as white and black turnout, the race probably would have been a lot closer. Um, Vallis also won Chinatown, which is something that got a fair amount of attention on social media. But Johnson was able to win the two other Asian ethnic enclaves in Chicago, uh, which are the Vietnamese neighborhood in Uptown called Asia and Argyle, as well as the uh, Desi neighborhood on uh, the far north side. And I don't think we can really say how Asian voters uh, overall voted definitively um, because Asian voters in Chicago are pretty well diffused through the city. But it's very clear that like Vallis did not get the runaway win with Asian voters that Eric Adams, for example, did in New York City. Yeah, and, and I, I specifically want to talk about Argyle for a bit because mm-hmm. the fact that Johnson won Argyle is fucking insane. Oh, yeah. These are like – like this is a community of Vietnam War refugees. Like these people are hardline anti-communists. Like you go into these restaurants and they all have Fox News on. So like, yeah, Johnson winning these voters is incredible. Yeah, I mean like, like one, one, one of the most famous noodle shops there was a guy who was at January 6th. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a – like a a stereotypically unbelievably dog shit place for Johnson and yeah and I'm, I I say this about the China Chinatown and this is something like I mean you just you can know this is something like I've been tracking for a while I mean just by like walking through it is that Chinatown during the pandemic and kind of after it it was happening a bit before has gotten just notably more fascist like oh yeah there's no, a lot of stuff there. I mean, the, 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 the anti-homelessness stuff is really, really, really intense. They're, they've been going really hard. In the, and that's the thing that kind of makes sense, right? Like, this is, this is a thing that you would kind of expect out of, like, yeah, of course, small business owners are going to, like, go right. Like, that's, like, that's, that you know, that that's, the you can, you, you can, you, you can find marks writing about this phenomena in, like, 1848, right? Like, this, is, this, is, this has been a thing since the beginning of time. But, I don't know. It, it's gotten... It's gotten legitimately kind of scary down there. Yeah. And like a lot of it also, I think, was, um, uh, you know, there's been a divergence between how the north side Asian enclaves like the Desi neighborhood and the Vietnamese neighborhood have responded to this kind of stuff um, versus Chinatown, uh, especially on the other uh, big social uh, change that happened during the pandemic, which was the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, um, I think 
from what I saw, like the reaction on the on the north side among these Asian enclaves was pretty overall supportive of the protests, whereas down in Chinatown, as well as in McKinley Park, which is a Hispanic majority neighborhood, but has a pretty significant Asian population, um, those neighborhoods had this really, really big like surge of anti-black racism in response to the protests like there were quote-unquote neighborhood watch groups that got formed um and it was just it was bad um and you know the vietnamese voters on argyle even though they're very like you know they have fox news on like i said and they're really anti-socialist anti-communist there was a state rep um, I am probably going to butcher his name, for which I apologize, but I'm pretty sure his name is pronounced uh, Han Wen, um, who is Vietnamese himself, and he won the seat last year in 2022, and like he's very progressive. Um, so there has been this very sharp divergence in how the like Asian neighborhoods in Chicago have responded to some of the social events of the last few years. Uh, once again, my people, the, the great nation of China has fallen into social imperialism. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think the last thing that really should be talked about in the context of Johnson's electoral win, and when we come back, we can talk about the city council because that's also pretty interesting, um, is that uh, something that if you want to watch elections, especially if you want to watch Chicago elections, something you should understand is that the the capital M machine in Chicago is pretty much gone now. Um, and Brandon Johnson's win pretty much seals this. And it's not that the people are gone or that like the, you know, logistical um, operations of the machine are completely dead, but the machine has now lost two elections in a row um, because yeah. as much as Lori, as much as Lori Lightfoot, sucked and she sucked so much um she also was an anti-machine candidate um like she was like capital a anti-machine when she ran and brandon johnson is not anti-machine in the way that Lori was but he definitely was not the candidate of like the machine so like they lost two elections in a row Mike Madigan has now been like indicted and he's probably going to prison for a very long time. You should explain who Mike Madigan is because if, okay, if you live in Illinois, like you know who Mike Madigan is. If you don't live in Illinois, Mike Madigan for my entire life, for like the lives of people who are much older than me has been like the most, the single most powerful political figure in all of Illinois. Like he runs everything. Yeah. Like he, he has like an iron grip over everything that has happened in this state for like yes. 40 years yes and he finally got uh indicted on <laughs> some federal like charges of like i don't even remember what the charges were but it was very like al capone-esque of like yeah. we finally found something to nail you on so we're going to and so he got indicted last year and it is actually pretty impressive like how quickly his machine fell apart yeah. uh, like he, he just he didn't have an air ready to take control. Um, And so it's not that like machine politics is gone from Chicago. It's more that instead of a machine, there are now going to be a bunch of smaller machines, um, which is going to make it easier for like normal everyday people to actually have some say in the political process, which is a good thing. Yeah. And like the the Chicago machine fucking sucks ass. I mean, like we talked Mm -hmm. about sort of Val, like, I mean, Vallis was a machine guy, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, and he is like the the thing about the, 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 the 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 machine has two values and it's corruption and neoliberalism <laughs> and honestly things. like 
not even neoliberalism well, so much I, anymore. It's mostly just corruption. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've kind of, I, I, I would say, I think they've gotten less ideological over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. But like, well, like, I think like last like decade and a half. But they, yeah, they, they really, they really fucked it. Like Chicago was like the political machine. And, you know, like, I mean, they, like they're in large part responsible for the creation of Obama's career. And they've parlayed that into... Losing to like the least popular mayor in like a generation, and then losing again to Brandon, like to somehow to, to Brandon Johnson, and it's I don't know they've they've they failed spectacularly, and I, fuck them, they're awful, and I yeah yes they've no absolutely robbed, fu- they, they yeah fuck these guys yeah. they, they've they've robbed they've they've robbed the working class for too fucking long yeah no fuck these guys good riddance um the world will be better when they're dead yeah uh do you know what else the world would be better than if i you know okay that that was that was that was not my that was not my best effort i apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the world's question mark maybe better place if you buy these products and services question mark i don't know if i'm legally allowed to say that we'll see anyways here's some ads <laughs> happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. 
Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we are back. Yeah, we should talk about what, what Johnson actually wants to do. Well, do you want to get into that or do you want to talk about the city council first? I think they actually overlap pretty well. Okay. Um, so, like, we can let's let's run through what Johnson says he wants to do and we can then talk about how much of that might happen. Um, so Johnson, like we were talking about, is definitely going to be the most progressive mayor in Chicago's history uh, in terms of what he campaigned on, at least. Um this was a crime election. Like the dominant issue was crime. And Johnson did not say the words defund the police. In fact, he actually explicitly said that he would not cut the police budget. Um, but aside from like those literal words, he very much is in line with the progressive priorities of de-emphasizing, like using people with guns who go through like six weeks of training or whatever. Um, so he wants to pass um, a bill called Treatment Not Trauma, which is replacing cops with mental health responders for 911 calls about mental health crises. He wants to pass another bill called the Peace Book Ordinance, which would expand restorative justice and violence intervention pro like projects and programs in the city. Uh, and he also wants to pass an ordinance to put significant restrictions on police department raids and like the police department's just actual ability to do raids altogether. Um, there is a very infamous contract here in Chicago called the shot spotter <sighs> contract, which is this dumb software that is supposed to be able to like tell police when a gun goes off. Um, and like, as far as I can tell, doesn't and just like straight up doesn't work. So Johnson wants to get rid of that. He also wants to eliminate the gang database, which if you are from Chicago, you probably know what we're talking about is this very infamous list of about 120,000 people, 95% um, of whom are either black or Latino. And they are on this list called the gang database, more or less because one day some random Chicago police officer decided to put them on the list. Um, it's very dumb. It's very racist. It's very blatantly unconstitutional. And hopefully Brandon Johnson is able to get rid of it. Yeah. And these, and these are all things like, you know, as, 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 as much as we can talk about the extent to which like is, you know, as, as much as we can, we can talk about the sort of the complicity of like mental health responders and the police system, wherever the fuck, like these things would all like make a lot of people's lives better and make yes. the police weaker. And you know, I mean, one one of the things about this election, right, is that the people who are actually affected by crime vote for Johnson. The people who are not affected by crime at all all voted for Vallis. Yep. And part of the reason for that is that, like, okay, if you're in a place like in Chicago that has a bunch of crime, you are dealing with like you're dealing with the crime. You are dealing with a lot of people getting shot, which is fucking shit. And then you're also dealing with the CPD, who are like function most of the time are functionally a cartel. About yep. about every like we're we're, we're kind of due for another set of like prosecutions for them like roughly every like seven or eight years there's a massive series of arrests by the FBI or like the feds come in and like discover that there's like a giant uh, there's a giant cartel operating out of the CPD we've talked about this Dis discover and discover in air quotes because everyone knows <laughs> oh yeah everyone knows and then you know the, the 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 Chicago police in particular are very famous for the code of silence which is that every single person if, if, if a cop commits a crime every single other cop will cover for them uh going right up to the t like the top of the ladder of the police chiefs and all the way down to like 
El dipshit like uh, like beat cop. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so, you know, like if you're a person who has to deal with these people and who, oh, it sucks. It fucking yeah, sucks. And like there's Chicago is kind of um, in many ways, not the ground zero, but like a ground zero for a phenomenon where you have these poor neighborhoods of color who, you know, the people who live in these neighborhoods, they are simultaneously over-policed and under-policed because the police don't bother to show up half the time when, like, they're theoretically needed, right? Like, someone gets shot, you call 911, and the cops don't bother showing up for hours um, if they bother showing up at all. Um, and at the same time, when they do show up, they often cause more problems than they solve. Um, like, Chicago has really, truly horrific clearance rates of violent crime, um, and this is mostly because CPD just insists on maintaining this really awful balance. You know, if you do believe in police, you want there to be a pretty healthy balance between beat cops and detectives, right? Well, with Chicago Police Department, there almost are no detectives left. Like, it's almost all beat cops, and so there's not many resources that go into... Um, actually investigating crimes that can't be solved by someone just walking around or driving around in a patrol car. Um, So these neighborhoods, like, you know, you go down to the south side or the west side, a lot of these, a lot of the residents in these neighborhoods would tell you, because they're not leftists, right? So they would tell you that they want more police officers, um, but they don't want more beat cops necessarily. Like, they want more detectives and they want officers who are actually going to care about them as people. Unfortunately, the Chicago Police Department is made up of fascists. So like, ugh. Um, you know, low chances on that front. But it's like that is the problem these neighborhoods are facing is that like the police don't bother to care. And when they bother to show up, they often make things worse. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I think the other thing that's sort of important here, right, is like you, you get a lot of you know, like it, it's very easy for people to be like, oh, hey, look, actually, these people want more police. But it's like, you know, w- w- when you look at what there, there, there was a study taken right before the election that was talking about voters, uh, like what their preferences on like, like what, what their sort of opinions on crime are. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what, yeah, I know I think what you're was, talking about. I think it was uh, like only 18 percent of the people who said that crime was important to them wanted more cops. And almost everyone, we you know, part part of it was like they part, like their, one of their big concerns was illegal guns, and then the other big concern was just like the fact that there's the, these places are really poor and there's no opportunities yeah. for people. It's, it's like there's there there aren't economic opportunities. There are so many guns just on you know just lying around in these communities and and obviously that's a problem throughout the country but it's especially bad in low-income neighborhoods in chicago um and the other thing was mental health like you know and that's one of the other things that johnson wants to do is he wants to reopen the mental health clinics that got closed down by rom uh, or rom emanuel who is a previous mayor of chicago who uh is currently being inflicted upon the people of japan as the u.s ambassador and you know um <laughs> They deserve it. This is this is this is what you get for siding with the CIA, you fucking <laughs> fucking dipshits, man. Like if the Liberal Democratic Party didn't want to have to get fuck have to deal with Rahm Emanuel, they shouldn't have taken all that CIA money. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Johnson wants to, you know, reopen these mental health clinics. He wants to increase funding for public schools, which have very much not gotten the funding that they need in Chicago for the past several decades at this point. Yeah. Um 
He also wants to expand public transportation in Chicago. Like there are a lot of proposals flying around for expanding the train lines and bus lines and bike grid. Um, there are also, um, as me and I were talking about before we started recording, there are a lot of lead pipes, like water pipes yeah. in Chicago. So many fucking um, lead pipes. Yes. Awful. And sh- and like Chicago is like supposed to be replacing them. It's proceeding very slowly. Johnson wants to speed that up. There's like just very genuinely a lot of research on the books directly linking lead poisoning to a lot of social problems. Yeah. Um, and so it's very much one of these things where it's like, you know, if you replace the lead pipes, crime will go down. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to talk a little bit about the mm-hmm. infrastructure stuff for just yes. a second, because like I. Okay, in the in the last three years, Chicago's public transit system has just been fucking imploding. Oh, it's there are, it's, it's so bad. There are there are reasons for this, some of which I can talk about, some of which I can't. Like partially it was the pan, partially it was the pandemic, and they like a bunch of the people who are supposed to be running the system fucking died because, you know, they got forced to work during the pandemic. But like, you know, you'll like trains just won't show up. There are buses mm-hmm. that are basically unusable because it's it's like you're basically sitting there trying to roll double ones as to whether the bus will fucking show up at all. Um, the wait times are enormous. Like it, it's a real shit show. And like, it's, it's substantively way worse than it was when I was in the city in like 2015, 2019. Yeah. It's really, really bad. And it's, it's, it's atrocious. Yes. The other factor that has to be talked about there is that like, so the Chicago public transit system is not free. Like most systems um like it is yeah, funded by rider fares like it's very yeah it costs a lot to get on oh comparatively it costs a lot to get on the train or get on a bus um and one of the kind of uh like self-reinforcing cycles that has been playing out the last few years is that chicago also has a really bad homelessness problem and this is directly linked to the fact that the city just does not want to give people housing yeah um and so what ends up happening is that a lot of of chicago's homeless residents um especially in the colder winter months they end up on the trains especially the two lines that run 24 hours a day um and you know these are people who are really they're living in really really terrible conditions like they don't have regular access to clean food and water let alone like clean access to like like regular access to like hygienic facilities um and so ridership really plummeted on the lines where homeless people started to like just go on in order to stay warm um and so you get the hit because rider fares are now down because people don't want to deal with being on the same train line as homeless people who, you know, uh, frankly just don't smell that good or have mental health problems. And the city doesn't want to give these homeless people housing, let alone like even like smaller things like like access to bathing facilities or healthcare or anything like that. Um, and so it becomes a self-reinforcing cycle of now fares are down, so there's less investment, so more people abandon the system. Um, and it is this thing where, like, this will, this would get solved if Chicago committed to giving homeless people housing. But that's just not where the city has unfortunately been. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and, and what's been happening instead is, like, you know, increasing anti-homeless architecture, like, Chicago train stations fucking suck ass because mm-hmm. 
they're all designed so that's impossible to sit on anything. Oh my god, uh, there are only two benches in each station. It sucks. So many stations, like it, it's so bad. Like it's just awful. Like one of the things that Chicago has is they have these like you know it gets really really cold here in the winter, so they have these like warming stations so that when it's mm-hmm. like fucking negative twenty out, you can be in the warming things. But there's no they intentionally make it so there's no benches in them so you can't sit in them. Yeah, it sucks. It like it, it's it's you know it's it, they 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 have this really just like the the, the hatred of homeless people is turned basically into a war against all society waged by yes. the city and yes. it's atrocious <laughs> the good news is that brandon johnson wants to pass an ordinance called bring chicago home which would um put a tax on uh property transfers for like i think it's like homes that are worth over a million dollars um that and the money from that tax would go entirely to funding programs for the city's homeless residents all the way up to and including permanent shelter um or like permanent housing solutions so you know you know fingers crossed on that one um because that i think along with the public safety measures is really the thing that the city needs the most. Um, And Johnson also on the housing front, um, he wants to liberalize zoning laws, which I know is a very big debate on the left at the moment about, you know, how we go about approaching building more housing. Um, Johnson very much is on like the pro development end of things. He wants to liberalize zoning laws and make it so that it's easier to build multifamily housing. um, And previously like single family Uh, housing zoned areas um he does also want to pass just cause for eviction so like your landlord would not be able to throw you out just because um, which which is a good thing yeah chicago's landlords are really shit they're terrible i i have seen across the board terrible yeah like i god like i have seen shit doing tenant organizing that is like 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 think things that make me like have to control my reflex to vomit just remembering them like it's truly atrocious um but yeah uh the other thing and that something that will matter to you if you are living in chicago uh very much is that johnson wants to cap property taxes so um one of the things that's been driving a lot of reactionary politics in chicago is that property taxes here are linked to inflation um which means that if you are a property owner in chicago in the last couple of years your property taxes went up by like 15 plus percent um which understandably made a lot of people mad um because, you know, if you if your taxes go up by that much that fast, you at least want it to be going to something good. And under our previous, well, soon to be previous mayor, Lori Lightfoot, that absolutely was not happening. Yeah, it was um, going to like cop overtime or some mm-hmm. shit like. <sighs> yes. So Johnson uh, is he campaigned on decoupling property taxes from inflation so they would no longer just automatically go up um which would bring a lot of financial relief to a lot of chicago families um and also he would basically like wants to pass a lot of taxes focused on wealthier residents as well as big businesses to help fund some of the programs uh which brings us to the city council and how much of a chance he has of getting this passed, which is better than you might think if you are familiar with Chicago politics. Um, 
something that surprises people who don't live in the city is that Chicago is not run by progressives. Um, there has <laughs> actually pretty much never been a progressive majority on the city council. Um, and there isn't. There will not be a progressive majority on the new one that comes in with Johnson. He is going to be presiding over a minority government in parliamentary terms, which I think we should use more often because I'm a nerd and I find it fun. But um, <laughs> basically, there are 50 members of the Chicago City Council. They're called aldermen because we insist on having a city council that is the size of a state legislature here. Um, and about 22 of them are going to be aligned with Johnson, more or less. So he's going to be three votes short on a lot of things, at least from the beginning. He is going to be negotiating with the uh, black political establishment here in Chicago, which is one of the smaller machines that is left in the aftermath of Madigan's indictment. Um, and we are going to see how this goes. Some of those uh, black aldermen are friendlier to Johnson from the get go, partially because of ideology and partially because a lot of them just like personally know him and like him. Um, some of them are very against him for similar reasons, like they either ideologically don't line up or they just dislike him on a personal basis. Yeah, um, we, we should talk. We should say a little bit about Johnson's not like. A, some kind of like political like political outsider like no he's, he's not. been around he's kind of kind he has like interesting relations with the old sort of like prepwinkle like uh labor machine yeah. um he he's definitely <laughs> like johnson is definitely part of a machine um his relationship with like the old machine was very bad but he is definitely yeah. part of a machine that is tied up in like the institutional labor unions that have a lot of sway in democratic politics here uh including the chicago teachers union which like you know vallis's whole stick during the runoff was that johnson would be a stooge for the teachers union um and the teachers union really just like the teacher, uh, the, this is actually kind of funny because, like, the teachers' union really just swept the board here, not just with Johnson, but with like a lot of the city council races where they weighed in. Um, so if you are a member of the Chicago Teachers Union who does not approve of their leadership, um, buckle up because the next several years they are going, they're almost certainly going balls to the wall of like, well, if we can get a mayor, we can get a lot of other people too. Yeah, and we should mention here that so <clears throat> a lot of the other unions in Chicago like are kind Suck. of eh. Yeah, they, they range from eh to shit. Uh, the Chicago Teachers Union got taken over by this group called Core, who are like a sort of rank and file like left e like. I I think I think a good way to understand Core is that like with the caveat that like teachers in Chicago really don't make that much money in the grand scheme of things. So like income wise, this is not line up, but these people are very much like kind of resistance liberals on steroids. Um, like they're not going to be like frontliners in a socialist revolution anytime soon, but like they are definitely on the far left of the democratic party coalition. Yeah. Well, and we should like, they're not like, like they are, they are like, I don't know. I, I I have complicated feelings on them from that sort of anarchist perspective. They're like they're they're as good of a thing of like union people as like 
you currently have. Again, we've talked about this. This could change with NNU very quickly. But yeah, they've they've been responsible for pushing a lot of things that are very good. Yes. And they've 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 turned the union into like I mean, well, it's okay. So like one thing to talk about, like they actually do go on strike, which is a thing that a lot of unions fucking don't. Like yes. they go on strike, they do they do political things that are usually pretty good. Um and they are an actual sort of like they're an actual they sort are, of class space uh, for uh, things getting better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are. The Chicago Teachers Union is definitely like a net good force in city politics. Um, and something that also like CTU gets a lot of negative attention, um, even on a national level. And so something that surprises people who don't live in Chicago, if they know about the Teachers Union at all, is that the CTU is actually very popular. Uh, among the yeah. city's residents people like them, most like, like people love the chicago teachers union like when the teachers last went on strike the public was over overwhelmingly on their side uh which is why they won um and ctu also like their 2019 strike uh against Lori lightfoot was very much like the inspiration that touched off a lot of the teacher strikes that happened in red states uh over the next several months um, like they very much kind of led the way in some, uh, in some areas, like, so they are like, like Mia, I have complicated feelings about the CTU, but overall they're a good thing for city politics. And like, they make Chicago a more progressive place. Yeah. And, and this has been true for like a while too. Like, like to, to the extent that when, like, I think in like, like back in 2012 when core was like. Like oh, like back back when Core sort of first taking over and was first doing their strikes, like even the CTU people were surprised about the extent to which like when they went out, like the streets turned into a party. Like people actually really do like them. Like I mean, the yes. cops don't, but like fuck them. Like <laughs> this people. Yeah, no. So the cops don't like them, and to CTU's credit, most Chicago teachers dislike the cops. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they've they've been they've been trying to get cops out of schools, which is good because yes, cops in schools are especially terrible. in Chicago. It's really bad. Yes. <laughs> um, the last thing I think we should mention about the city council before we move on to some of the other elections we need to talk about is. Um, one of the things that gets criticized about the left as an electoral force in places like New York or Los Angeles, especially those two places, uh, is that it's very dominated by white people. Um, and I do want to provide the context for those of you who are not from the Chicago area. Like, that's not true in Chicago. Um, the progressive movement and the left, like the leftist movement on an electoral level in Chicago is very much driven by people of color. Uh, and you saw this in the city council election results. Almost every single seat that progressives flipped on the city council was in a black or brown ward. And even the two wards, like the two white majority wards where they flip seats, the new aldermen or alderwomen in both cases are people of color. Um, so like, this is just like context for those of you who are not from Chicago. This is not a case of like white leftists gone wild. Um, like this very much is a rainbow coalition, not just in the sense that Brandon Johnson won the election off of rainbow coalition, but in the sense of the electoral left in Chicago is very, very much a rainbow coalition and has been very effective because of that. Yeah. And it's very funny too, because you, you, you see people like 
the sort of right wingers in Chicago like constantly scream about like lakefront liberals, and you look at like the actual base of like <laughs> left policy shit. It's like okay, like this is this is this is simply not what's actually happening here. Yes, but, the the honest like the thing about um like race and its relationship with progressive politics in Chicago is that the most progressive neighborhoods in Chicago based on their voting patterns are almost always the most racially integrated. Um, And that's not to say that like all of the racially integrated neighborhoods are progressive because that's not true. Um, There are some pretty integrated neighborhoods on the Southwest side that are like very conservative because a bunch of cops live there. Um, But most of the racially integrated neighborhoods of Chicago are also the most progressive neighborhoods. And that like really just flies in the face of the whole like white lakefront liberal narrative um, and is, is something to pay more attention to. Okay. Again, it cannot be emphasized enough. Brandon Johnson, the progressive candidate is black. He is running against a white guy. There was a very large attempt to paint like Brandon Johnson is like an out of touch, like white liberal. Is like, like, like out of yeah, touch white progressive, was, which is that very was really funny. weird. Yeah, I, mean, I think I, 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 like they just have, I don't know. I mean, it was just the sort of like ideological bankruptcy of like, <laughs> like the, 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 the sort of like capitalist establishment is like they have nothing, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're like the only thing they have left is like calling a black guy white. And it's just like, shut the fuck up like nobody nobody believes this shit anymore like uh. and on that note it might be time for some ads yeah happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We are we are back from our ads. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed the destruction of the entire world. Uh, yeah. Okay. So there, there were, we we have talked about Chicago for a long time because we're both from Chicago. It's very funny and it's very interesting. But oh, actually, okay. I'm realizing this. There's one more thing I do. The two more things I do specifically want to mention about Brandon Johnson that I forgot earlier. <laughs> one is that he, you know, it's genuinely unclear to me whether this is a a real ideological belief he has or whether this is a thing that he said to not get called an anti semite because it was electorally expedient, but he released a really, really shitty statement on, like, boycott divestment and sanctions of Israel. Oh, that was, yeah, yeah, like, I like, personally... Oh, yeah, it was terrible. It was really terrible. Like, but, like, he, based yeah, he, on what I saw from the aftermath of that, um, I'm inclined to believe that this was more something he was told to say. Um, and the reason for that is because the reaction it got with the crowd he was in front of was like he was speaking with a Jewish organization. Like the reaction was very like, okay, dude, but that's not what we asked you about. Um, like it was a response to a question about like, oh, you know, how do you handle anti-Semitism? Um, and I think there are just unfortunately a lot of really dipshit consultants in the Democratic Party who hear the words anti-Semitism and think you have to talk about Israel, which is um, really, truly, and ironically anti-Semitic of them to think. Um, like, yeah, I think he was probably told to say that. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and I guess what his actual beliefs on Israel and Palestine are, um, but I'm pretty confident that that was his consultants being dumb. Yeah, but I, but like I, I like the but the actual consequences is he, like he was equating like he was equating BDS and anti semitism. He, I like go. You should try to go find the clip somewhere because it's genuinely bizarre and shit. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the part of the episode where I want to remind people that like when 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 these kinds of people get into power. It is not as good as people think it's going to be. Like another thing he very like he almost immediately, like right after he got elected, started trying to convince Biden to have the Democratic uh, National Convention in Chicago, which would be a fucking shit show. Yeah. This is Mia from the future here. Uh, Two days after we recorded this, the Democratic Party announced that the 2024 Democratic National Convention will indeed be held in Chicago. So, yeah, it's going to suck. That effort predates him like that's yeah. already been in the works yeah. like he definitely immediately came out and said like yes i'm in support of this yeah which is like some people don't understand why okay so like one the, the the thing that happens when 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 national convention comes to your city is that your city is occupied by the cops and then like yeah. wherever the convention is happening basically turns into a war zone because anyone who comes out to try to protest them just gets like the shit beaten out of them yes and, and there's also usually a lot of anti-homeless policies that get rolled yeah. out in advance 
we actually we, 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 this is it's 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 not as bad as the stuff we talked about with Lula in terms of the World Cup, but it's a similar kind of thing that you get with these kinds of candidates where they they do these sort of like giant they do these sort of like mega project developmentalism shit because they want the status that comes from it and the result is stuff that sucks and that you know nominally like like at least in theory like contradicts the rest of his platform right like this this is going to be a thing that brings a lot of cops into the fucking city he's in theory supposed to be trying to have policing done by like people who are cops um that's gonna suck if it works yeah so and that is that is your reminder for if you do live in chicago like me and i that just because brandon johnson got elected does not mean that you get to sit home um like if you are involved or invested in chicago progressive politics um just because you have a progressive mayor doesn't mean you get to sit back and relax you have to do a lot of work to hold these people's feet to the fire yeah like you're you and, and like you're you're gonna end up fighting these people and it's gonna suck and you're gonna have to do it like if 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 you if you believe in the things that you think that you claim to believe to and are not sort of just acting out of like you know either you're not just purely acting out of sort of candidate loyalty you are you are going to have to fight people that you helped get elected and yes. you're going to have to start, prepare for that start like, the five stages of grief now okay mo- moving 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 on from that <laughs> shit moving uh, on we need to talk about Wisconsin um the other big election that happened on Tuesday night uh, was an election that flipped the Supreme Court of the state of Wisconsin from a conservative majority and not just like lowercase c conservative, but like batshit insane Christian nationalist conservative uh, from a majority of those people to a liberal majority that is hopefully going to make life better for the people of Wisconsin. Um, so. For those of you who were not paying attention to this, which is likely even more than the people who were not paying attention to Chicago because state Supreme Court races, um, most people, if you tell yeah. them about those, <laughs> react with, that's a thing. Um, yeah, and I mean, and to, to, be, to be fair, to be fair, this is probably the most nationally prominent like state Supreme mm-hmm. Court election in my lifetime. That means that maybe four people know about it instead of uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So on Tuesday night, uh, Janet Protasiewicz, uh, who was the Democratic aligned candidate, beat the Republican aligned candidate, Daniel Kelly, who was himself a former member of the Wisconsin Supreme Court by 11 points, which is a really big deal because Wisconsin voted for Joe Biden by 0.6 points. Um, So this is very much like landslide level territory for Wisconsin for Wisconsin Democrats. it was very much a perfect storm, like the areas of the state that have been trending towards Republicans experienced massive reversion back towards Protosewitz, Um, and the areas of the state that have historically been Republican also really shifted left. Um, and the reason this happened, the single reason it happened, um, is because of the Dobbs ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade and um, brought American gender dynamics back by a solid 75 years. Um, Protosewitz successfully turned the campaign into a referendum on abortion rights, um, which is why she won by the margin she did. (laughs) There was huge turnout in Madison, Milwaukee, and college campuses. There were multiple college campuses, um, I think, where there were more votes cast uh, in this 
state Supreme Court election than there were in the midterms last November. <laughs> um, so this really was like every single thing that possibly uh, could have gone right electorally for the Democrats in Wisconsin did, obviously with very, very like grim background context of the overturning of Roe, um, but a good sign for the future of the abortion rights movement that, you know, people voters did not forget about Dobbs after the midterms. Like this is still an active force in national politics that is pushing people to the left. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I want to yeah. specifically talk about this for a little bit too, because like, I think the media has kind of, has really, I think fallen down on the fucking job here, which is that oh, like these enormously. people, like, cause it's like all, all the people in the fucking media class are either like themselves are like hardline anti-abortion ghouls or they're people who this doesn't affect. And, you know, so they just stop giving a shit after like a couple of months. Cause it's like, ah, eh, whatever, who cares? But like, th- this is a, if you are living under this, like this is this is like you can't fucking ignore this. No, like it is it is a it is an immense engine of death and human suffering that, you know, it, it's 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 I mean, this is the US, right? We live under enormous like we live under a lot of immense sort of engines of death and human suffering. But this is this is a kind of engine that just sweeps through. I mean, it, it it sweeps across the sort of what what you think of as like the quote unquote like like traditional sort of uh like I don't know like class lines is the right thing but like you know it's this is the thing that like kind of sweeps across the the urban rural divide in a lot of ways like it sweeps mm-hmm. quite a lot across a lot of the sort of normal political divisions because the Republicans have been like their 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 line on abortion has been hijacked by. I say hijack, right? This is what this is what this is what these people always wanted, but it's it's been it's being set by a bunch of just deranged Christian nationalists whose opinion reflect maybe to like thirty percent of the country max. Not even that, like the yeah, like the ruling of the judge down in Texas on uh, I'm going to mess up how to pronounce this, and I apologize, but um, if a Pristone, which is an abort like a pill that among other things can induce abortions uh there was like a republican judge down in northern texas who attempted who like attempted to overturn the fda's approval of the drug the fda approved this drug in the 90s um and his ruling very much was insane like on top of just like the superficial insanity of trying to do this his reasoning was that you know this man wrote a ruling saying that the constitution guarantees fetal personhood um which is a which you know would result in a complete and total ban on abortion um nationwide under all circumstances and that's a viewpoint that is shared by less than 10 percent of americans so like it's just you know the republican party has gone off the cliff after they went off the cliff here yeah and you know I don't know. I I, I I I think this whole, I think there's a lot of ways in which this entire sort of election, the election dynamics of this are really grim, because the Democrats are the people who let this shit fucking happen, right? Like for years and years and years and years, they just they, you know they 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 used abortion as an electoral thing and then did fucking nothing, 
to actually mm-hmm. make sure that abortion would be that you know would be safe. And they finally lost it, and now it's like you know it's the thing that's like like it's 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 the electoral issue that's coming to bail them out of their like electoral woes, and that fucking sucks in a lot of ways. But it also means I don't know, like it's 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 beating some of the worst people in the fucking world if we want to actually yes. make sure that people have the ability to have safe abortions on demand we are going to have to do a lot of fighting that is not just showing up to these elections yes absolutely um but it is yeah no like like Mia said it is really just like heinous that so many of the democratic party bigwigs who presided over the 50 years of Republicans saying they were going going to do this and not taking Republicans seriously yeah, are and, never and, and going also, to be held accountable for this. Yeah, um, and, and, and I don't think I need to like, it needs to be pointed out with this too was like the Republicans the entire time were in every single way they possibly could like outlawing abortion without literally outlawing it, and people just mm-hmm. stood that like the Democratic Party was just like oh, we don't give a shit like we're we're not we're yeah. not going to like actually like fight this except for occasionally <laughs> to run a losing candidate right like. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. And like there are there are people in the Democratic Party who were trying to raise the alarm. Those people were generally ignored. Um, But the you know, now that abortion rights are gone on a national level, um, we are seeing this electoral backlash and it is having the impact of like, you know, Republicans have been unable to effectively make the national conversation about inflation or about crime or about trans athletes, um, which is also a losing issue for them, but God knows they keep trying. Um, But they have been unable to make the national conversation about those topics because voters are now looking at them like, but you're the freaks that took our abortion rights away. What's wrong with you? Um, And in terms of Wisconsin... Um, Protese, which being on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, is almost certainly, uh, she doesn't take office until August, which is a really weird amount of time, uh, for her to have to wait. Like, I don't know why Wisconsin is like that, but it is. Um, but once she is in office, um, Wisconsin should have restored abortion access, I would say, almost immediately um basically like as soon as someone can file a lawsuit over it because right now abortion is currently illegal in wisconsin under a law from 1849 um that the only exception to the law is to save the life of the mother which like i think people who are not personally impacted by the possibility of pregnancy or the possibility of childbirth, um, I think really don't emotionally internalize what the language around some of these exceptions means. And it's like, if, if you are hearing the words like the only exception is life of the mother, that's really terrifying because it means like if you're going to be permanently injured as someone who's pregnant, but you're not literally going to die Abortion is not an option for you. If the uh, fetus that you are carrying, you know, whether you wanted an abortion or not, if that fetus has some kind of fatal defect that is going to mean that your baby dies within hours or days after being born, 
uh, and is going to be in pain the whole time, abortion is not an option for you. If you are pregnant because of sexual violence or because of incest, abortion is not an option for you. And it's it's like, you know, I am a cisgender man, so like I can't personally understand, but like I can only guess how terrifying of a reality that is. Um, and the, you know, the only good news out of this is that once Protosewitz is in office, that law is probably going to go away as quickly as possible, um, which is a much needed victory for the people of Wisconsin and hopefully is, you know, carries the momentum forward for like post 2024. Hopefully we have a democratic trifecta again that can legislate abortion rights nationally and take it out of the ability, take away the ability for courts to strike it down. Um, there are some other um, ramifications for the state of Wisconsin that should also be mentioned. Um, for those of you who live in Wisconsin, um, if I say the words public sector union law, you know what I'm talking about. The very infamous law that was passed by Scott Walker back in 2010, 2011, I think, uh, that really restricted the collective bargaining rights of public sector unions. And like this sparked a recall campaign against Walker, which failed. Um, and Protosewitz has uh, said on record, she said it in a campaign appearance um, because this race really just discarded all pretensions of like judicial impartiality. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she said in a campaign appearance that she wanted to get rid of that law. Um, so that law is probably going away uh, or hopefully will be going away. Um, Wisconsin also has very gerrymandered uh, state legislative maps that are almost certainly going to be struck down. Um, same thing with its congressional maps, which means that Democrats can probably count on two more seats in the House uh, post-2024. Um, and also, on a basic, like, do we live in a democracy or not level, um, in 2020, when the Trump campaign was filing all of its really idiotic lawsuits alleging voter fraud, um, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin was the court that came the closest to taking those allegations seriously. Um, they voted by one vote to dismiss the case because one of the conservatives broke ranks and he has been hounded by the far right in Wisconsin ever since. Um, Wisconsin was one vote away from just throwing out the popular election results, uh, like the popular vote results. So, there, you know, Protosewitz winning is literally an insurance policy for continuing to have the state of Wisconsin be a democracy. Yeah, which is good. Like, I don't know that having ha having a state that is effectively ruled by a dictatorship that was about to attempt to install like a dictator's president um, is good. Like, I don't know. This is my 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 lib take on this. Is it is in fact not good <laughs> when uh, a bunch of people are ruled by just an open dictatorship 
So, Which is essentially what Wisconsin, you know, has been, yeah. um, barring Tony Evers's wins uh, as governor in 2018 and 2022, like until he was in office, like Scott Walker presided over a single party dictatorship in Wisconsin. Um, and so, like, you know, which is part of also why Protestate was able to win by the margins that she did, because, you know, Wisconsin is a swing state. It is reliably going to be close to 50 50 but especially on social issues it has a liberal majority and a lot of people paid attention to this race and they saw correctly the opportunity to dismantle the dictatorship that effectively has had control of wisconsin for the last decade plus yeah and i mean you know the other thing like part part of what we're what's happening here is that if, if, if conservatives are actually allowed to do uncontested rule in, in a place that's even, like, kind of not just, like, a 100%, like, conservative district, I, the results that they, like, the actual policies they put in place are fucking horrifying. Yeah, it's bad. It's, like, like <laughs> obviously bad, but, like, you get, I mean, you get, you get stuff like what happened in Tennessee in the last yeah. week where they... The, you know, the state legislature expelled Democratic lawmakers um, for, like, engaging in the mildest of protests against, like, an open carry bill. Um, and, you know, just in a real cherry on top moment, the Tennessee state legislature only expelled the black legislators yep. who protested and the white legislator who joined them uh, survived her expulsion vote. Um, because, you know, we don't want to be you know, like the days of the Republican Party not wanting to be too on the nose about the racism are long gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, so. But overall, good things happened in Wisconsin on Tuesday um, and some of the really terrible things that were put into law in that state in the last decade are hopefully about to go away. Yeah, there were some other places, mostly in the Midwest, um, because once again, the coastal regions of the country let us down. Um, but there were some other places where liberals or progressives did well on Tuesday. Um, St. Louis, Missouri has had a progressive city council and uh, there was a very strong kind of law and order challenge to that progressive majority based in the city's white majority wards. Um, and after Tuesday night, it's pretty clear that progressives will continue to have a majority on the city council. Um, in Kansas City, on the other end of the state of Missouri, um, we are probably going to get the most progressive city council that the city has ever had. Uh, they're the main left-wing group uh, got all of its candidates through to the general election, which is on June 20th. And the main like right wing tough on crime group seems like it's going to be capped at winning two seats. Um, so, you know, once again, the Midwest is the engine of American progressivism and the West Coast can suck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is one more piece of good news, which is that um, in Illinois, there was a set of far right groups that ran a bunch of school board candidates on the like anti critical race theory, anti queer, anti trans platforms. Um, 
And actually, I'll just say the names of the groups because people should know. Um, these groups are Awake Illinois, Moms for Liberty, and the 1776 Project. Um, basically, these groups are, you know, if you went to the South in the 1970s, you had the Klan, and then you had the White Citizens Council, um, which was the supposedly more respectable face of white nationalism in the South in the 60s and 70s. Um, and groups like Moms for Liberty and Awake Illinois are kind of the equivalent to groups like the Proud Boys. Um, and very, you know, fittingly with the analogy here, um, these groups are primarily uh, run and staffed by conservative women, just like white citizens councils were down South about 50 years ago. Um and thankfully, these candidates almost all went down in flames. Um, I think there is a, a school board election in me and I's hometown, which is very uh, notoriously conservative for people in the area. And even in that, yeah, they in lost. our hometown, they lost. <laughs> um, and like these losses extended into downstate Illinois too. And like, there's a small city called Quincy in Western Illinois, where it's like, this is a, a, a place that votes Republican routinely by like 30 points, like a 65% majority. And these far right school board candidates lost in Quincy, Illinois. Um, so thankfully people saw through the bullshit and were like, actually you people are weirdos and we're not going to hand you power. Yeah. Like, um, another, another thing that was very funny is Carbondale, which is like a very, like this is like, a, a, like, this is this is this is a Carbondale is a Southern Illinois ass town. It is like not quite as far south, technically speaking, as you can go in Illinois, but like it's close. Yeah, I elected their first trans person to serve in a city council anywhere in Illinois. So yep. like they're they're getting clobbered in fucking Carbondale. Like they they had a really like, they got fucking just destroyed. And I'm very happy mm. about this because I, you know, a lot of kids are going to grow up in schools that are way less shitty than they yes. were like even when I was there or like God help the generation before us was just like yep. survived shit and that like would have killed like me and most of the people <laughs> I know like yeah yeah no the schools that me and I grew up in were not a great place to be queer or trans yeah. of any variety um, but I mean, this is also going to help because of I have I still don't know what the Biden administration was thinking about this, but like the new like rule that they're rolling out around trans participation in K through 12 sports through the Department of Education. Um, this got a lot of attention on Twitter in the last couple of days um, because I'm going to be as charitable as I can here to all of the people involved um but there was um a panic uh on tw in progressive circles on social media and especially queer and trans circles because the washington post decided to frame this rule in like the most like hyperbolic way possible and this is not me saying that the rule is good because the rule could definitely still be bad um 
But the Biden administration is essentially, from what I can tell, trying to include trans kids in Title IX protections. Um, the proposed wording of their rule is not great and definitely needs to be improved. Um, but the outcome here can be good uh, in the sense that it would ban uh, blanket prohibitions on trans kids in K through 12 sports. And it would require exceptions to like, it would require like any exceptions to pretty much be like, you know, you have to prove that there is a danger to like fair competition here, which is the standard that title nine uses for, um, sports for cisgender men and cis or cisgender boys and cisgender girls. So like can be good. Will you know, if you are invested in this, the public comment period on that rule is about to open. It's definitely a place where you should speak up and say, like, hey, the wording of this is a little shit. Like, let's be clearer here that the presumption should be that trans kids should be allowed to participate in on teams that align with the gender they identify as. Um, and thankfully, because a lot of these dipshit school board candidates lost uh hopefully some of these school boards will be taking the right side of history here yeah go 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 okay so i, I i'm slightly more angry about this than than you are because i yes. I, I, I i i i i don't know i th i think there's a pretty glaring hole in this that lets transphobes just be like well obviously like, oh yeah and like it's, i yeah, I, I the, think the I think, wording is is vague and yeah, it should be made a lot less vague. I, I think it's bad. I don't know. I, I, I think I think the, the, the backlash to the backlash about that went too far of now there's a bunch of people insisting that this is in fact a really good rule and like no. Like if if it's, if it's yeah. if it's if it's executed as is, it is going to let a lot of people do a lot of transphobic shit. Yes. Um as is, it is bad. If they change the wording of it, it can be better. Yeah, so uh, go yell at Biden until he makes it less shit. Uh, Absolutely, in whatever go yell capacity at you have to do this. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you see him, if you see him walking down the street, yell at him. <laughs> um, if you see him in a restaurant, yell at him. Uh, yes. Yeah. Now, very, very genuinely, like a, it's always a good idea to yell at the Biden administration about anything. Um, but b, especially go yell at them about this. Uh, this can be done multiple ways. You can reach out to your congressional representatives and tell them that you want the rule uh, wording made better. Uh, you can go, there should be soon a direct like form you can fill out on the Department of Education website where you can uh, provide your own personal opinion on the rule. But basically, yeah, go yell at the Biden administration and tell them to insert language into the rule that makes very clear that the legal presumption uh, that must be overcome should be that trans kids get to compete on the teams of the gender they identify with. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, having now yelled about that for a bit, uh, yeah, we should, I think, start wrapping up the last sort of bits of electoral news. Yes. Uh, okay. So the last thing I think we should talk about is probably Denver. Um, Denver uh, for... Uh, those of you who do not know me and I, which is probably almost, I would hope almost everyone who listens to this, um, I will die on the hill that Denver is a West Coast city. Is it? It is not physically on the ocean, but the vibes rancid. Um, and 
like the rest of the West Coast. Denver let us down on Tuesday night. Um, the mayor's election is going to a runoff between two candidates who both have pretty awful platforms on homelessness. And there is one that is worse. So if you are looking for the candidate to hold your nose and vote for uh, right now, you know, see how it goes. But right now, I would say that is Mike Johnson, not because he has anything good to say. He's he doesn't. But because his opponent, uh, Kelly Bro, says that she would have homeless people arrested if they refused to leave camps in public parks. Um, so she just fucking blows and she should be, you know, never be allowed anywhere in your power. Um, the other bit of Denver news I think we should talk about is there was a housing referendum where the proposal was to turn an old golf course that is not currently being used into a housing development that would have, um, I think, 25% affordable units. Uh, and it would part of it would also be turned into a park. Um, and in truly what I thought was the dumbest thing that happened on Tuesday night, um, the proposal lost, um, and the Denver branch of DSA was campaigning against this housing development on the premise that building more housing is bad if someone profits off of it. And I definitely understand that profit, listen, like profiting off of housing is bad. We also need more housing and Denver especially desperately needs more housing. Um, and somehow we got this incredibly stupid coalition of NIMBYs and like green space environmentalists and the Denver DSA that all came together to stop the housing development. And Mia, I'm, I'm sure you probably think a little differently about this than I do, but I saw this and I was like, what the hell, man? I mean, okay, so here's my, I, I know very little about this. My, my take is that if you have the opportunity to destroy a golf course and you vote no, you are like, as long as you're not literally building a prison camp, like <laughs> reactionary dogs, the bourgeoisie destroy every golf course. <laughs> Always a good, you know, that's actually, that's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good line. I, I should start saying it to more people. Destroy every golf course you can. Um, but yeah, no, this, it was, I think the most frustrating thing that I saw happen on Tuesday night. And I think it is one of those questions that the left is going to have to deal with in the next couple of years is like, all right, we have a lot of cities that desperately need a lot more housing. So how do we get it done if you, you know, without just turning it over to the real estate lobby? Because obviously that would also be really shitty. Um, but the answer cannot be don't build more housing. Yeah, I mean, the thing I will say about this also is that another answer is uh <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, we, we, we've covered this on the show too. like the other part of this. If, if you don't want a city that's just like absolutely horrific, you need to have a strong tenants movement and mm -hmm. you need to you need to have a tenants movement that's willing to move beyond things like rent control and move towards like actively like fighting to seize buildings from like from developers. And that's a, that's a thing that's happening. Like there, there are places where people are doing this. It can be done. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like that. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna go into my entire thing <laughs> on the sort of NIMBY-YIMBY debate, other than saying that 
Like, you, increasing the power of tenants will give you a bet. Will, will will give you the best options. Yes, very very much. Uh, tenant unions are good. Um, yelling at the Biden administration is good. Destroying golf courses is good, and abortion rights are good. Yeah. And go fight for these things and things that aren't elections, because every once in a while, an election will give you a result, which is the worst person on Earth has been replaced by a slightly better person. And, you know, I I do like to not be ruled by the worst person on Earth, but. The 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 the, the ideal political situation is the one where we're not like people cease to rule over us. So. Yes, no, you got to you got to do the non-electoral work alongside the electoral work. Um, You can't just be relying on elections to make things better. You got to be pushing for it all the time. Yeah. Well, I say, yeah, I I am much softer on electoral work. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Mia would rather Mia would rather than everyone doing electoral work start (laughs) doing uh, better things with their time in her eyes. Yeah. But if if, if you are going to be a person who does electoral stuff like it doesn't it doesn't matter what electoral victories you win if you are just not doing anything that isn't electoral, because the actual sort of the actual composition of political power in the city and the sort of the, 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 the city's class composition the balance of forces between sort of like, you know, I mean, things like between unions and employers, right? Like directly between workers and between the employers. There, there are lots and lots and lots of things that are very, very important, even if you are an electoralist, that are mostly decided outside of almost, almost entirely decided outside the ballot box. And if you don't take that into account and you try to just run like the most well-engineered political campaign, uh, you're going to end up like the 2016 Democrats. Democrats. Yeah. Yeah, no, everything that Mia just said. And yeah. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed the longest amount of time I will ever be <laughs> caught talking about an election that doesn't involve a coup. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this is what yes. happened here. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And all of you go happen to someone. Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. 
from herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.